Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for the second of three podcasts is Dr. Rebecca Poole, director of research at Yale's Rudd Center and also director of weight stigma initiatives. Uh, we talked in the first podcast about the extent of weight bias and the impact on the individuals who are victimized by it. In this one, I'd like to talk about some of the issues regarding solutions. And the final one, we'll talk about policy. So welcome again, Rebecca. Thanks. So you've, one of the things that I most admire about your work is that you've spent a lot of time doing very careful science documenting the extent of bias and especially the impact on people uh, who have been affected, but you've also taken it the next step and, and come up with a variety of materials and educational resources to try to attempt to reduce weight bias. And let's talk about these uh, maybe kind of in, in areas one at a time. Let's talk about medical setting first. Um, can you explain some of the work you've done there? Sure. You know, of, of all the contacts we get at the Rudd Center, oftentimes they're coming from healthcare professionals who really feel that weight stigma is a problem in the medical setting, but they don't know what to do about it. They observe it in their colleagues, they feel it in their own practice, they see it impacting patients, but they want resources. And so we've developed a number of free educational resources with the goal of trying to really increase awareness of this issue among healthcare providers and to give them tools to address this, to help reduce weight stigma uh, towards their patients and in the clinical care setting. One of the things that we've developed is a video, and it's an educational video that's about 17 minutes long, so it's a nice short video, and it really tries to um, give examples of how weight stigma um, occurs in the healthcare setting, how it impacts their patients, and what they can do in their interactions with, with patients. So for example, what kinds of language can they use to ensure that they're not stigmatizing their patients? What kind of physical office setting can they create to make it more welcoming for obese patients. Now, in addition to this video, which is, is now actually being required training for a number of um, obesity bariatric centers across the country and different medical facilities, we've also developed um, an online CME course, a course that provides credit for providers that has received accreditation from the American Medical Association. And this is essentially another venue, another format um, to really educate professionals about weight bias in, in the healthcare setting. A lot of the content is similar to that in the video, except for this, there is a, it's an official CME that people can get credit for. We've also developed um, some online toolkits for healthcare providers, and these target um, different types of resources for different healthcare provider groups. So, for example, we've got materials and educational resources specifically for pediatricians who are um, treating children and families who are overweight, with, again, um, suggestions and guidelines for how to have productive but sensitive dialogue and conversations with patients about weight without being stigmatizing. Um, so all of these types of resources um, are available on our Rudd Center website at YaleRudCenter.org. Um, and, you know, these are really valuable tools. What we've seen is that even though there is a tremendous amount of research now documenting weight bias, there really hasn't been very much concerted effort to try to reduce weight bias. And so there is a real lack of resources out there, and we're trying to help fill that gap. 
education settings are another area where you work and you have materials for people working in those settings too. Can you explain that? We do. You know, schools are places where we want our children to be protected. And what we need to recognize is that this is a problem that is certainly happening with bullying in the classroom. So we've developed a number of tools for teachers and educators, including um, guidelines for how to address weight-based bullying in the classroom, how to reduce weight bias and educate students about this problem. We've actually also um, developed a video for teachers as well, which really tries to um, help them understand how weight-based bullying affects their students and what they can do as teachers to address that. And then what we'll be talking about in the third podcast are some um, really broader policies that schools can adopt to address weight-based bullying. And another area where you've done very interesting work is with the media and the images used in the media. I'd love love to hear you explain that. Well, we've done a number of studies to really look at how obese people are portrayed in the media. And not surprisingly, we see that they are portrayed in very negative ways. And, And one of the venues where this happens is in the news media, where oftentimes news reports about obesity will publish very stigmatizing images of obese individuals with their reports, their news reports. And what we've observed in our studies is that when people are exposed to these stigmatizing images, it actually worsens their attitudes towards obese people. So it it actually makes the problem of stigma worse. So to try to really address this, we've created a free um, online image gallery or repository, which contains hundreds of images of children and adults who are obese or overweight. And these, all of these images are non-stigmatizing images. So they depict overweight and obese people engaging in healthy lifestyle behaviors, in professional employment uh, occupations, um, and just essentially in flattering ways, which is what we never see in the media. And we're encouraging this media gallery to be used by certainly media journalists, and we have seen him, seen these images being uh, published now in very uh, national news outlets and things like that, so it's, we're seeing a nice usage of this. But it's also for researchers, for educators, for health professionals, really anyone in the general public who wants to use them. And the more that we see companies, for example, taking on wellness initiatives or schools taking on obesity, the more that, that we see negative images uh, emerging. And so this is really a resource that we hope will be used very broadly. You know, your, your work has pointed out to me in ways that I'd only indirectly known about before is that articles that would come out or news reports on obesity would have these unflattering pictures, as you mentioned. Sometimes, in even ironic ways, you might have an article about weight bias where the object is to point out how unfair it is and how difficult it is, but it'd be accompanied by a a stigmatizing picture. What would those pictures look like, generally? Usually, these pictures portray obese individuals as being headless, and they focus on either their abdomen or their buttocks or their thighs, and really trying to emphasize their excess weight. And and they're, they're... designed in ways that are trying to evoke disgust. And and unfortunately, what these do is they really depict individuals as simply symbols of obesity rather than individuals with identities um, in very unflattering ways. And oftentimes, they're even partially clothed or not clothed at all. And these are very degrading and and really reinforce stigmatization. And, And what's interesting about those news reports and the images that accompany them is that people's attitudes can be affected just by the image alone, regardless of what that written content is in the news story. So we know that these are having a powerful influence. Um, 
have have you what how's the media responded to your image gallery you know we've had a very favorable response and we've had major news outlets actually want to work further with us to really increase education about this um, one example was we worked with CBS who really wanted to educate their viewers about stigmatizing and non-stigmatizing images so they selected a number of negative images that we would typically see in the media and they really educated their their viewers about why these are inappropriate and wrong and then used examples from our image gallery as as more appropriate images to use so we've, we've seen a lot of cooperation with the media and I hope to see more of that. This seems like an important advance because these images are seen by so many people. You know, they really are very pervasive. And and again, this is an an example of an area where a lot of stigma has been documented, but really no efforts have been taken to try to improve attitudes through the media. And I think this is a really good starting place. Uh, You mentioned videos for the um, educational and medical settings, and I know you have an, an additional video. Yes, we also have um, a video that's just for kids. So we have, you know, certainly one for parents and teachers, which really tries to educate them about what they can do. But we also are trying to speak to children themselves because we know that when we look at weight-based bullying that peers are a frequent source of the problem. So this is a a video that is um, really told by kids for kids, and it takes them through what life is like for someone who is getting teased and what they can do about it if this is happening to them. And again, these are all videos that are available for free on our website. So how would somebody find these? Well, if you go to our website at uh, www.yalerudcenter.org and you click on what we do, you will see stigma as an icon. That will take you to a page with lots of our resources, including our videos. All right. And the, the, the videos get sent to people or can they see them on YouTube? You can see them on YouTube. You can also request hard copies. We've had a, a number of different institutions actually request hard copies for training purposes and we're happy to send those out. Good. This work strikes me as being very exciting because, as I said, it's gone beyond just documenting the stigma to really trying to do something about it. Um, is there research on the impact of the use of these sort of materials yet, or is it too early? Well, we're still in beginning stages. There are some studies right now that are testing some of our resources, and um, preliminary results from those show that they're actually having a very positive impact. Um, and, you know, that, that brings up a, a broader question of research. And when it comes to weight stigma, you know, we have – hundreds of studies now showing what a big problem this is and really only a handful of studies trying to do something about it. And we see that this is a very difficult form of stigma to address. So we need a lot of effort in this area. Um, You know, there's a lot that can be done and there's a lot that should be done. Good. Well, thank you so much for this overview of what, what is being done by way of solutions. Our guest for this podcast was Dr. Rebecca Poole, Director of Research at the Rudd Center and Director of Weight Stigma Initiatives. Uh, You can learn more about the weight stigma issue and the work of the Rudd Center, as well as the other work that goes on there, at www.yalerudcenter.org. Thank you.